Yes. You're an athlete, you know, but were you think, did you have it's that business not, mind? It's not. I don't have a mind for business. Yeah. I have jujitsu in my DNA. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm getting at. But look at this. Yeah. That is, the business success is a result of that. Yeah. So the fact that when I'm in jujitsu and my brother has me in a chokehold <laughs> for my life, I got to figure out the solution to that. I have to devise a technique using my 32 principles of jujitsu yeah. to come up on the moment in a position that I've never been before. I have to create in a matter of seconds, actually six seconds is the limit before I'm potentially unconscious. Yeah. I have to create a solution. And the fact that all my life, problem, solution, problem, solution, every technique, Brian, scratch that. Every problem, Brian, is a technique waiting to be discovered. This episode is brought to you by WeWork. Don't just work from anywhere. Your working week deserves a little luxury, like beautiful spaces to spark ideas in person, designed carefully for collaboration and peaceful nooks with uh, focus mode and awesome Wi-Fi. I love WeWork because I'm surrounded by like-minded people. It's a great place to hang out, network, or make good friends. They're even dog-friendly. Whether you're a solo entrepreneur or you bring your entire team, yes, your entire team, uh, there's a place and a space for you at WeWork. Are you inspired by where you work? Check out WeWork, because now you can unlock productive, flexible workspaces in over 180 locations near you, especially if you use the WeWork All Access Basic. Get 30% off your first five months by using code BRIANAA30, that's B-R-Y-A-N-A-A-3-0, or to redeem the offer, just go to we.co forward slash behind the brand. This episode is brought to you by my brand new, absolutely free VIP list. Want to get a short note from me each week with what I've learned from interviewing some of the smartest people in the world, the best inspiration, education, access to my private events, special perks, unique finds, free stuff, and a lot more to help you improve your life and business. Get on the list. Just go to behindthebrand.tv forward slash VIP. It's an email newsletter. It's as easy as that. One, two, three, VIP, behindthebrand.tv forward slash VIP and get on the list. Hey guys, I'm Henner Gracie here at Gracie University, and you're watching Behind the Brand with Brian Elliott. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode. Henner, thanks for having us to uh, the Gracie headquarters. This is amazing. Jiu-Jitsu heaven, we call it, man. Thanks for visiting here at Gracie University, man. Honored to have you here. This place is legit. Thank you, man. It's been a long time in the making. You know, almost 100 years now my family's been involved with Jiu-Jitsu, and here we are. It's a good time to be in Jiu-Jitsu. It's a good time to be teaching people how to defend themselves in a way that you know, it's so effective, but also so loving, right? The ability to neutralize violence without violence. Yeah. Well, we just got off the mat. Obviously, the context that we're in, we're both, uh, well, I'm sweaty. You're, <laughs> you're a great teacher. Uh, but I usually ask my guests, how did you get this job? I didn't have a choice. I think I was forced into it when I was three. <laughs> so in the Gracie family, you're born on the mat, you know, you're learning how to jujitsu as soon as you can walk. It's one of those things that you're playing jujitsu games as you're growing up. And then eventually you get pretty good at it, right? You realize the benefits. Around middle school, you realize the benefit of knowing how to kick some butt. Where you're like, dude, it's good to know how to handle my business with all these other punks in middle school. And you learn to hold your own. High school, more of the same. And I started teaching at 13 years old. I, I had a, My first student was a kid named Robert Mendoza Jr. was getting bullied. And um, the father didn't think the child was ready for group instruction. So my dad was like, Henner, give the kid private classes. And I'm like, dude, I'm 13. Are you sure? Me? I could be official teacher. I got like five bucks a class. I was super stoked. I started teaching Robert, you know, bully proofed him yeah. and uh, got him over the hump and helped him build courage and confidence and the ability to defend himself. So he never had further issues with bullies. And off we went. I started teaching group classes, adults. By the time I was 16, 17, I'm teaching grownups as a teenager myself, still in high school. By the time I'm 18 years old, I'm teaching the special forces at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, U.S. Army. So... Um, you know, it's been wild. And around 19 years old, my brother and I took over as head instructors. He's 21. I was 19 as head instructors here at uh, Gracie Academy, formerly Gracie Academy, today Gracie University. And it's just been a crazy storm since then, you know, with the UFC and the proliferation of MMA really. And within MMA, the understanding that jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu is this quintessential art 
yeah. of mixed martial arts. Yeah. You have to know it. Yeah. And, uh, and we're at the center of that movement of making that art available to everyday men and women who don't identify as MMA fighters, but would like to learn the skills that could keep them and their families safe. And, you know, it's been amazing from a civilian side, crazy journey, but on the law enforcement side as well, because jujitsu does provide that ability to de-escalate non-violently. Yeah, neutralize the situation. Neutralize violence with non-violence. Fight yeah. fire with water. Yeah. And jujitsu being uniquely suited for that, it's the perfect discipline for law enforcement professionals to learn to be able to de-escalate or control an unruly subject with the lowest level of necessary force. Yeah. Uh, zooming out a little bit. So for people who don't know your heritage, so you're the grandson of, and talk about your 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 grandpa, your dad, and then how that kind of worked. Yeah. So my grandfather is Grandmaster Elio Gracie, uh, one of the co-founders of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, along with his brother, Carlos. That was in Brazil in the early 1900s. My father, uh, the oldest of nine siblings in that second generation under my grandmaster, uh, grandfather Elio. My father, learning it all his life growing up, moved to America in 1978 to kind of bring the art over here and check out America. He loved it. Started teaching classes at his garage in 1978 until 1989. During that window, I was born here. My mom's American. And I'm just going to the garage, seeing my dad teaching people. Hundreds of people every week are coming in and out of the house learning in the garage. Yeah. Finally, it was so popular, we opened our first academy in 1989. Four years after that, the UFC was created by my father and his partner, Art Davey. And really, you know, the rest is history. But that initial yeah. UFC, a lot of people don't know this, was because many people, it's you know, over 25, almost 30 years now, uh, the original UFCs were really meant to be a big infomercial for Brazilian jiu-jitsu as taught by the Gracie family. Hmm. So my dad was like, man, every martial art claims to be the best. Karate thinks they're the best. Taekwondo, sumo, jiu-jitsu, savat, wrestling, shoot fighting. Everyone claims to be the best fighting system out there, but they never fight each other. So what we realized at that time is that if we could create a, a, a spectacle, an entertainment spectacle, where the world could watch in an octagon what martial art is most effective when there are no rules, no weight classes, and no time limits hmm. in the original UFCs. Yeah. So it truly was a street fight on television in an octagon cage. Yeah. yeah. And what, you know, you went in there and my uncle Hoist was chosen as the representative for our family, as we all recall, who anyone who's over 25 years old, uh, Hoist was chosen as the family representative. He went in there and fought these giants with no rules and no time limits. Um, and he overcame and he prevailed. And because he was successful in those early UFCs, the whole world was watching, the martial arts world was watching, including military law enforcement professionals. And they saw, wow, if that little guy can defeat these giants with relative ease, non-violence, control, yeah. body controls, and then like snake-like submissions, how is he winning when he's so much smaller and so much weaker? Yeah. So the world was shocked because for the first time, uh, as Joe Rogan says it really well, he says, jujitsu, as demonstrated by our family in those early UFCs, was the first martial art that delivered what it promised. Mm-hmm. So many arts say the little guy beats the big guy. You got the movies of the little martial artists overcoming these giants. But no art with striking consistency over such a strong, but no art with such striking consistency over such a long span of time had enabled smaller practitioners to defeat truly larger individuals and more athletic people like Gracie Jiu Jitsu had. And that's what was shown on television in the early UFCs. And that's when the whole thing caught on fire because now every serious martial artist is asking themselves, man, if I'm going to pursue this as a career, I have to learn that. Otherwise, I'm likely to get strangled unconscious in a matter of seconds or minutes yeah. by someone who knows that language. Yeah, you have to have a countermeasure if someone's going to launch that on you. Yeah. Um, so this show is called Behind the Brand. We talk about brands. Uh, how would you define the Gracie brand? What does it stand for? Yeah. Uh, the Gracie brand stands for efficiency and effectiveness against all odds, right? Really, if you look at the history of the brand, you have these iconic battles of a smaller person facing someone 50, 60, 70, 100 pounds heavier or more, sometimes several hundred pounds heavier. And the smaller person through body mechanics, positioning, leverage, a, a term called alavanca in Portuguese, and just the most beautiful application of these time-tested techniques is defeating a much larger opponent. When you see that, you it's the, it's the epitome of of efficiency and leverage mm -hmm. when someone so much smaller can beat someone so much bigger. And that's what I think that the brand represents. Leverage, efficiency, um, and a century of, 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 of excellence. 
What do you think people get wrong about their perception of Brazilian jiu-jitsu? That's an easy one. I think that because today the vehicle, the most prominent vehicle for the public's exposure to jiu-jitsu is mixed martial arts, yeah. they conflate the two. Okay. They say, hey, MMA, UFC, you know, an aggressive to some violent, you know, sport. Bloody, yeah. Bloody, cage, you know, craziness <laughs> is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And they're wrong, right? All you need to do is go back to the early UFCs and watch Hoist do his magic in his white uniform pajamas like many people saw. And when that skinny guy goes in on one side, everyone thought he was going to get annihilated. And then he ends up tapping out the giant. Yeah. Watch those early UFCs and you're going to see the control, the 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 civility, the humanity behind jujitsu. The fact that we are, are not trying to brutalize our opponent. We're trying to neutralize their defenses, overcome them in the lowest level of violence possible. So even though mixed martial arts today, every single professional has to learn jujitsu, otherwise they are likely to get defeated by someone who does. Right. Even though that's true, MMA is not jujitsu. Jujitsu is part of MMA, but jujitsu exists as its standalone system of self-defense that is intended and this predates the UFC yeah. that, and mixed martial arts. It is intended to be used by the small, the weak, and the unathletic to overcome giants yeah. of all shapes and sizes. Yeah. We were rolling around on the ground. You were, we were grappling. You were teaching me techniques. Um, maybe expand more on the chess play, you know, like thinking one or two steps ahead of your opponent or even using your opponent's own natural reactions against him well so i think what you're pointing to is just the, the the number of principles that you've experienced in just a single class yeah that you're already thinking like wow this is beyond just fighting now this is these are these are life principles that are being leveraged and utilized in a combat way and i think that you are surprised based on your first introduction to jiu-jitsu today by the by the cerebral component of all of this yeah and like uh, wow yeah, this isn't just a brutal grappling wrestling and throwing and slamming each other yeah it's an actual chess match and you have a desired objective and the goal is to achieve that with the lowest level of you know lowest wasted energy right the lowest wasted force and the lowest level of violence and i think that you were in intrigued when you witnessed some of the techniques that we saw i mean we saw today with a trap and roll escape i mounted on top of you i asked you how you would escape <laughs> you went crazy yeah yeah with no direction and no guidance, yeah. right? As any person would. Yeah. And well, then you were huffing and puffing. Well, yeah. I mean, we said it before, but I'll underscore it. I have had zero martial arts training. You know, you know, nothing. I haven't been to you know any kind of studio. Like this is my very, very, very first time. So, so that's so your your perspective right now yeah. is significant because it represents ninety nine point nine percent of the human population yeah. who have heard about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu but have never tried it. But now that you've kind of crossed that threshold, literally and figuratively, um, by entering this room and doing this class with me before we sit down to talk about it, I think your perspective on well, what were your preconceived notions of what the practice of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu would be? From you know, from an aggression perspective, from an injury perspective, from a potential of injury perspective, like what were you? You were avoiding it for some reason because you've known about it for decades. Yeah, it's intimidating because it seems like it is very calculated, strategic. It's a series of moves that you have to memorize. I'm somewhat familiar with the belt system where you graduate, and I would assume that that's a mastery of a certain level of moves. However many moves are in that level, and then you you level up, and there's several levels right you started i got the white belt on today and you're wearing the black one so i would assume there's several levels in between um but yeah it's intimidating because I, it's just all brand new yeah, yeah isn't that interesting and people when people don't start jujitsu it's out of fear of two things injury or embarrassment yeah mine's probably on the injury side there you go yeah right so the injury side like you don't want to hurt your body because yeah. it would prevent you from doing other things that you love yeah well but let, let me also say that one of my the reason i've been thinking about jujitsu for a long time is yeah i've been watching from afar but you know i'm a dad uh i'm getting to a certain age and wanting to be able to defend myself defend my family protect others around my my community that's becoming more and more important to me, especially as we watch the news and just see stuff that happens. Um, I have just felt like an increased 
sense of wanting to be more prepared myself, you know, um, and just be able to, you know, hold my own. I think that every human being feels that. I think that women want to feel safe for themselves, right? Just protect myself, just not be a target. (laughs) I think men want to feel safe for themselves as much as they want to feel safe for those around them. A man is a protector by nature. And I love the feeling that if I'm with my family, they're safe. If I'm if I'm not with my family or if I'm with someone else in an environment where I don't even know the people, but let's say a fight were to start, right? Uh, uh, something were to happen, physical altercation, someone's getting assaulted right in front of me where 99 out of 100 times, someone's going to pick up their phone and record that because they don't have any other way to help. Yeah. I'm hands-on immediately because I know how to do it, not only in a way that's safe for me, but in a way that is safe for them. Yeah. Because jujitsu teaches you to neutralize violence with nonviolence, with yeah. physical control holds. But back to your kind of initial thought there about why someone might be reserved in terms of trying this. Fear of injury and fear of embarrassment. And these are two very reasonable fears. Yeah. People don't like to try something new and suck at it, number one. And number two, people don't want to risk injuring their bodies, especially as they get older in age, in yeah. a way that would prevent them from doing the other things that they already feel safe and comfortable doing. Yeah. For example, if you're a surfer and you feel that getting doing jujitsu would prevent you from surfing because of injuries sustained on the mat, you would not want to do jujitsu. This is all very reasonable. And this is why for Gracie University, myself, my brother, and our entire organization, the number one priority is safety and fun and structure of the learning experience for a beginner. The introduction that you had today is identical to one that I would give any student anywhere in the world who tried it for the first time. And I'm happy to have given that to you, but it's not consistent with what is at all Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools around the world. It's it, Jiu-jitsu is a wholly unregulated industry, martial arts as a whole. So it's very possible that if you show up to a random Brazilian jiu-jitsu school, you're thrown to the wolves right away. And I just <laughs> had to say that on this on this gathering because yeah. if someone watches and says, oh, I'm excited. I saw their intro. It was amazing. I'm going to do that. And they show up to an unaffiliated ABC, no-name <laughs> jiu-jitsu school. Yeah. The concern is that they'll get thrown to the wolves. They're in under over their head right from the get-go. They're tr- twisting and sparring. They crack a rib, twist the back, jam a finger. And now that injury that they were so worried about becomes a reality. And this happens every single day all over the world. Yeah. And I'm just I want to caution the viewers and the listeners out there that this is a possibility. However, if taught correctly, mm-hmm. the way you just experienced it, safe, structure, logical, everything made sense. Everything was contextually sound. Everything was contextualized in the in the form of a street fight where it made sense why we were doing what we were doing. Yeah. At no point were you like, but this doesn't make sense why we're even learning this. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu can be very complex and very um, contextually confusing if not taught with this level of structure and, and a systematic approach. So that's my warning to everyone. Jiu-jitsu is for everyone if taught correctly. Yeah. But when taught incorrectly or randomly, we'll call it, with no guidance or certification or structure, it can be quite a mess. And, I, you know, sadly, the number of people who have started jiu-jitsu and quit outweighs the number of people who have started and stuck with it because so many people teach so poorly. So anyways, that's one of my biggest aspirations for our organization, right? When we talk about Gracie University, we're an institution with an online university where people are learning from home via our inter- our online curriculum, via our linear online curriculum. Uh, we have over 350,000 students learning from home. They move their couch, they move the coffee table, and they're practicing in their living rooms. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have uh, about 250 brick-and-mortar certified training centers where instructors have been certified in our exact teaching methodology and curriculum. So this introduction you experienced today, you could get identically at any one of those certified training centers. Yeah. And those are all at gracieuniversity.com. Yeah. So you kind of franchise the idea and you're, and you're teaching the teachers that's exactly right. And that's yeah. how we're growing it because some people can learn online, but I'd say one out of 20 wants to learn online. The other 19 want to find a school and want to be with training partners and be in that environment. But like I said, for me, people who have had negative experience at other jujitsu schools, whether it be injury or embarrassment or just the way it was done early on that was unpleasant, retire into our schools and they show up and they say, hey, I had a terrible experience for two weeks over there and yeah. they show up and then we... we I love being people's second chance in jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, first chance as well, like you for today, but second chance in jujitsu because now you know what to compare it to and people often are way more enthused about our structure and our teaching methodologies and the the safety, the fun, the curriculum, the self-defense approach yeah. after they've tried it somewhere else without the same emphasis. Yeah, I like it. You're, you're like fixing a $4 haircut. But um, yeah, for me, the progression has been natural because 
I've been on this health journey. People who know who've been watching and listening to to my story uh, know that I about five years ago tried to get really a lot more serious about my health, and you know started with sleep, nutrition, then exercise, and now that I'm feeling better, more confident, you know, I'm going to the gym and I'm working out on a regular basis, I feel like the next progression was jujitsu for me. It's like, you know, that's, that's like the next step. You know, I love other sports, but like, I really wanted to have this sort of like personal confidence, you know, again, you're at a certain age, you, you, you don't want to lose that mojo, right? So like, this is, this was a good chance for me to kind of, I love that. you know, get back in it. And you know, what's interesting is that you said it felt like a natural progression. Like, and a lot of people will say, oh, I'm out of shape, so I can't do jujitsu. I need to get in shape first. The irony is your pathway was commendable and remarkable. Sleep, nutrition, fitness. The fact that you said you're going to do those things and you, here we are and you did them yeah. is is statistically highly unlikely and improbable for most people. So yeah. you're the exception, not the norm. So a lot of people will come to me and say, Henner, do I need to get in shape first to do jujitsu? Right. And my response in every case is, if that were ne necessary, we will never see you on the mat. <laughs> I'm just yeah. telling you right now from yeah. experience, no one has ever said, Henner, I'm going to lose 50 pounds and then I'll see you. And then I ended up seeing them. Right, I never right. saw those people. They never yeah. came back. Yeah. So my response is this. You don't need to get in shape to do jujitsu. You do jujitsu to get in shape. Sure. Here's the thing. To be able to go to the gym, run on a treadmill or lift weights when no one else is watching and just be there in your own head and your own zone and do that takes incredible discipline, which is why 98% of people with gym memberships don't go to the gym. Yeah. So what, the reason jujitsu is so amazing is because the fitness, the mobility, the psychological benefits, those are the byproduct. Yeah. Not the reason. Yeah. They're the byproduct of your practice of the art. Yeah. The reason you show up is to feel more technically capable of defending yourself or your family, to learn the puzzle that is jujitsu. And it's, it's very cerebrally engaging and fun by itself. So when you find a hobby where the fitness, the health benefits, right, the psychological benefits are all the byproduct, that's when you know you struck gold yeah. because you do it for something else and then you get the other benefits just because you're there. Yeah, you're right. The mobility was one of the main reasons I was, was so interested because again, you know, I'm getting stiffer, you know, I'm again, I'm, I've reached a certain point in the gym what I can do, but like the mobility training, the flexibility, even the strength, stamina, all that, that's what I saw in jujitsu. So, and you experienced some of that today, right? We were, it was interesting <laughs> yeah. because normally you exist in very linear planes, yeah. right? Where it's pushing, pulling in the gym, right? Running, squatting, it's all very linear. And jujitsu is awesome because it takes you from that vertical plane automatically and in many of the techniques puts you in the horizontal plane. So automatically it's just a different existence when you're carrying your body weight in this plane versus this plane changes all the muscles that are being used and activated and firing throughout the technique. Yeah. And then each individual technique based on what's attempted to be accomplished calls on a different muscle group and a different, you know, different mobility requirements. And over time, your mobility will simply get better from recurring and repeating those actions over and over again as you yeah. build that muscle memory. So yeah. fitness, mobility, all those things will come just by being on the mat. Yeah. So you taught me like the initial, let's call it package, you know, the first kind of lesson. How many moves is that total? Yeah. So what you learned today, what you got today was an introduction to a program called Gracie Combatives. What we've realized is over the last hundred years or so, jujitsu contains thousands of techniques when you consider all the variations. It never ends. It's truly endless and limitless, which is part of the fun as you progress towards black belt. However, over the last hundred years, we've identified that 36 techniques have been used more often and with greater success in actual fights than all the other thousands yeah. combined. Yeah. So those 36, our thought was, if someone's a beginner, let's not waste time yeah. on all the thousands that they may never need. Let's focus only on the ones they're going to use for sure. The highlight reel. Highlight reel. And let's focus on those for the first eight to 12 months yeah. until those are muscle memory. Yeah. Once they are, we can dabble in all the rest. So Gracie Combatives is our beginner program at all of our certified training centers and on our online university. And today you learned trap and roll escape, mount control, Americana arm lock, and rear naked choke. Yeah. And clinch. You saw the clinch entry, the distance, and the body fold takedown. Yeah. So you saw six techniques. There are 30 left. <laughs> okay. You're well on your way, bro. Yeah. But, but you just got to stick with it. Yeah. Honestly, though, I mean, just reflecting on that quick little lesson, which didn't take much time, that is sufficient. That's a good starting place. I mean, you're definitely not finished. In fact, it leaves you wanting more. But it's like, if you could just get those down, 
you're like 90% there. Well, just compare Brian yeah. from today who just graduated from his first class and learned six techniques from Gracie Combatives. Compare Brian today to Brian yesterday with just the understanding that you now have, which is yeah. distance, right? Connection principle, hip pressure, trap and roll techniques, submissions, control for immobilization, de demoralizing someone before hurting them, right? Control instead of violence. Yeah. Just those concepts. What an advantage you would have over yourself yesterday. Yeah. If we could have two Brian's in here right now to fight, to show the difference, that would be the best spectacle of them all. Yeah, because we down. would see, wow, holy cow, he just saw a few moves and concepts yeah. and he's already applying them. But yes, you're right in the sense that muscle memory is necessary and that just takes continued practice over time. Yeah. But here's what's crazy, bro. If we were asking your body to do things that were totally foreign and unnatural... It much harder, it takes much more time to build muscle memory in those actions than in the actions that your body did so naturally yeah. and everything made so much sense. And I just see your eyes light up each time I showed you a move. It wasn't like, wow, that's crazy. It was, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, yeah. It's so obvious. Yeah, and that's what the beauty of jujitsu is your brain starts to, after you learn a few, after a few more lessons, let's say you were to do three, four, five more lessons and just keep repeating all the same techniques you've seen and keep adding onto them. What would end up happening is your brain would start to become a jujitsu filter. So when I ask you, Brian, today's new technique is exploring this threat scenario and what you would do in this situation. You would say, Henner, don't tell me. <laughs> Let me try. Yeah, yeah. And then you would come up with an answer that is exponentially more uh, intelligently formed than what would have happened three weeks ago before you ever did jujitsu. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? You start to think through the lens of jujitsu. You're right. I started right away. I talk more about that con connectedness because that seems like it's a metaphor that runs through it all. Right. So, so what we've found and over the last hundred years, jujitsu techniques, infinite techniques have been developed and they keep getting developed. What my brother and I have identified is that there are 32 principles that are essentially the alphabet for the jujitsu language. So if you think of every jujitsu technique as its own word, the 32 principles are the alphabet with which each of these words is comprised. And it was a real breakthrough to have this realization because then you realize, wow, so even though Jutsu is infinite, the alphabet is rather finite, right. simple, and rudimentary. And for any given technique, it's always a grouping of two, three, four principles that make that technique possible. And I called out many of those in our lesson Detachment principle, connection principle, yeah. um, reconnaissance principle, um, the the uh, creation principle. Yeah. When you do something, you begin with the end in mind, and then you use targeted actions to make your desired outcome a reality. Yeah. But as soon as you hear that, you go, wow, that's not jujitsu. Right. <laughs> that's life. Right. And this is what's so interesting is, for me personally, is that what happened was the first 18 years of my life learning these techniques and memorizing moves and jujitsu, jujitsu. And then since I got my black belt around 19 years old, I'm like, okay, this is amazing. I'm learning more. I'm building more. I'm starting to create techniques. And then only very recently did I finally realize that, wow, all of this is a function of these 32 principles. And then the breakthrough happened where I went, holy cow, these principles are not limited to their fighting applications. These are the 32 principles that I can identify have helped me overcome every single obstacle, challenge, right? Every breakthrough, every major milestone in my life can be attributed yeah. to one or more of these 32 principles. Yeah. And that was what was so exciting. So this is not a, jujitsu is not a, a fighting system. Jujitsu is a, is, a, is a philosophy that can be applied on and off the mat equally. Yeah, I love that. Um, so you taught some of the special forces. Um, how is that different from what you're teaching in the classes? Right. Yeah. So I think that one of the most unique contributions to the art that my brother and I are responsible for is the segmentation of jujitsu into demographic-specific programs okay. that make it make sense to the audience. Yeah, this is a military. Versus a yeah. one-size-fits-all approach that is so commonly utilized at virtually all other jujitsu organizations. Right. So for us, the realization was a child getting bullied needs Gracie bullyproof. Mm -hmm. All of jujitsu through that lens that makes sense to them, spoken to them, not at them. Women self-defense to defend against sexual assault. Women empowered. Mm -hmm. 
Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Self-Defense for Women. Law enforcement officers, Gracie survival tactics, right? Nonviolent jujitsu-based de-escalation arrest and control tactics for police officers. Gracie combatives for military and law enforcement, for military professionals, right? Where it's, they have the least amount of time to prepare for worst case scenarios, right? In the early 90s, we started working closely with the U.S. Army, which eventually led to the Gracie combatives program that we now teach to civilians all over the country because our thought was simple. If we consolidated and distilled all of jujitsu down to these core 36 techniques for the army. Let's now focus on teaching with similar expeditious energy and, and, and intentions civilians because they may not have time to train for 15 years. Yeah. So if you only have six months, seven months, a year to dedicate to this before something happens in your life and you have to move on to something else, training twice a week for eight months, you could learn Gracie combatives and be prepared. So to answer your question, um, law enforcement's a great example is that with law enforcement, the fight doesn't end when you tap out, right? Like that means nothing. We tapped out today off the shoulder locks and the submission holds that we learned. That doesn't, that doesn't translate into a life or death or a use of force encounter with an unruly suspect, right? right, right. In that case, the, the, the encounter is not over until the suspect is safely in custody or the threat is fully neutralized, right? right? Um, so what does that mean? All of the techniques that we teach law enforcement are adapted to end in handcuffing procedures. So even the submissions I showed you today would transition into a cuffing procedure. Another major consideration, law enforcement officers have a duty belt full of weapons, yeah. right? So they're engaging with a civilian. Someone goes for their gun. Yeah. It's a massive liability, right? Because as long as someone brings a gun to a fight, there's a gun there for everyone, yeah. whoever can get a hold of it. So to teach officers to not only neutralize against the traditional punches and strikes that might occur in a fight that you and I would have to worry about, but to also have to address the threat of the suspect accessing their sidearm yeah, or you know their taser or their pepper spray or their baton, all of those have to be kept out of the reach of the suspect. Those are additional concerns. So over the last 25 years, this program called Gracie Survival Tactics has evolved to create a custom solution that can be taught to officers. And what we do is we certify the trainers at virtually at most agencies throughout the country, they send their instructors, we certify those instructors, they go back and then they teach their colleagues after conducting a week-long 40-hour certification where we teach them you know, 23 techniques, they go back and they now teach their colleagues uh, in the time allotted each year for defensive tactics. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the business aspect of this because it's it's brilliant to be able to scale what you're doing, right? Teaching the teachers. Um how did you how did you start that process? What did that look like? Did it all just come to you like naturally? Did it all fall into place? Like walk us through that process. Sure. And the reason I ask that is because I think there's other people who may have, you know, their deep domain knowledge in whatever that is, and they're thinking about how to structure it. You know, should I franchise franchise this idea? Should it be private ownership? Should I go IPO? Should I, you know, should I own the gym? And just work on, you know, uh, new members or should I train the trainers and then have other people make it scale? Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So growing up, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is one of the most unstructured and unorganized martial arts in the history of them all, right? Brazil is where it came from. So the the, the, the origin of this art is a country that is largely, uh, you know, politically unorganized, right? It's a pretty chaotic situation in Brazil. And the art came from there. It was all about, you know, just being effective and, you know, winning fights. And they were very effective, yeah. but it wasn't very structured from Scrappy. a business perspective. Scrappy. And yeah. just, you come in, you come from the beach, you go to the gym, you learn jujitsu, you go back to surf, you come back to jujitsu again. So it was just an unorganized approach, largely, um, you know, in Brazil. And, you know, my brother and I coming up and having learned this art from day one, you know, being part of jujitsu, but also being American born. And looking at America and what Americans like in terms of learning processes, mm -hmm. right? They like structure. You think of these, you know, universities, institutions of higher learning. People want to know what they have to do to move from one level to the next level. And jujitsu yeah. largely never had that. There yeah. was no organized curriculum for jujitsu. Yeah, what's on the test? I want to study for it so I can pass. Yes, jujitsu, yeah. it was largely without that. It was very unorganized, very unstructured. And when we first took over in our late teens, early 20s, my brother and I, we realized, wow, we have this amazing martial art, the world's best martial art, absent of any formal structure yeah. 
for the student. So then we just set our sights on just revamping everything that had come before us and really reorganizing it and creating new structures that really made it scalable. And once we defined a curriculum for beginners, men, women, children, separate beginner curriculums that could be taught to anyone else, and then you could certify another instructor to to copy and to um, to administer with with striking quality control and similarity. Once we reached that point and we were able to duplicate our effectiveness in other people, we said, "Wow, we're going to now scale this out and certify instructors all over the world to yeah. administer these same programs." And that was in 2008, and here we are. Um, you know, what is it? 14 years later, give or take. And we're at, you know, almost 250 locations worldwide and certifying probably, you know, 150 to 200 instructors every year in our systems who are then going back to their schools or opening new schools with these processes and establishing certified training centers. So, um, I think that's, that was the right approach for us and it's been working really well. And the students who landed our schools, they really see the difference in terms of jujitsu without any real structure or guidance. And then what the Gracie University approach is, which is structure from bottom to top. What mistakes did you make? You know, no one gets it right, right out of the box, right? I think the biggest mistake I made in scaling this business globally was the belief that all the good ideas had to come from me. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of weight to carry. (laughs) And it was a, it was, it was, it it got to the point where it was just too much. Did you have formal training? Like, did you go to school for this? No, never went to college, um, graduated high school and just um grinded just grinded it out you know i didn't go to a university but i created gracie university um and i just did my own thing um but for me the biggest mistake was yeah thinking i had to do it all myself and then i realized no that other people in our organization not only had great ideas but were certainly willing to share them if given the opportunity so that's when i started kind of pulling in instructors from all over the world who had been certified in our system and saying hey guys what can we do better and then when i started crowdsourcing these great ideas they surfaced to the top and our organization doubled in size in half the time it took us right it took us 8 years to get to 100 schools it took us 4 years to get to 200 schools after that because we allowed for the kind of crowdsourcing of great ideas that we then deployed not only here in Torrance at our headquarters, but then made available for all the schools all over the world to employ as well. Yeah. So you said you started in 08? 2008 is when we started certifying instructors outside of this location. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough time to start a business, basically. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, 2008 was a rough time for the world, right? For yeah. the US. And well, I, th- I think about it now because I maybe extract a lesson. So a lot of experts say that we're already in recession. Times are getting a little harder. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of 08, maybe not as dramatic uh, yet. We'll see how it plays out. But yeah, rough time to start a new business, launch something new. Um, yeah. How did, how did you do that? Yeah. To be honest, I don't remember 2008 recession. <laughs> it wasn't a recession for us per se. Yeah. Because I feel like what we offer... Um, you know, to a certain degree is recession proof. It's not COVID proof. COVID killed us. <laughs> but the recession was interesting because it was actually 2007, we changed locations, moved to a new school, I recall. And then we just continued to grow in this new location. And I think ultimately it boils down to, to what is the service or product you're selling, right? And, and yeah. ultimately in a recession, people are going to cut out the, the wants and they're going to keep the needs. And what I feel like is that because of the community that we create at each of our schools, um, because of the the release and the the sanctuary that each of our schools becomes for its members and the students and the bonds that are created, because let's be honest, Brian, yeah. what normally happens to a, adult men and women? You play sports when you're a kid, you enjoy school, you graduate, you get a job somewhere, yeah, you, you meet someone, yeah. you isolate, you fall in love, you have kids, you work harder to pay for the things that you want to create for them that you never had. And before you know it, all your needs and all your desires in terms of your personal goals or even like your the things that you do for just you kind of become sidelined or second place yeah. to the needs of the family and 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 the unit there. So this is very normal. And what I feel like we've created in Gracie University is a sanctuary for adults right? Children as well, but uniquely adults vacation every single day in this building. You just walked in and walked by that class right there. That was a room full of adult men and women who left their offices for lunch or left their houses, came over here just to do an hour long class with their, with their friends and their, their community here because, because they need that and they want that. I was going to underscore that because I was going to ask about the community, but you sort of answered it. That you know, now again, I'm at a certain age. My kids are a little bit older. I have, you know, teenage son. Making friends as an adult is difficult if you haven't, you know, already invested that time making friends. 
And so the community becomes very important to, you know, support you when you're first learning a new skill or even just have people interact with. That's, you know, whether you're at the gym and that's your community or you're on a softball team or something, you know, the community matters. And to me, that seems like a a huge part of this. It is a huge part. And I think that when people think of, especially the audience and the listeners and viewers right now, think of martial arts, they think of like kids taekwondo. Think of karate, like right. breaking boards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, like you think of like that's the thing that kids do. Like, kids put on the pajamas and go do that thing. Yeah. And historically, they're correct, right? Like, if you just look, and this is just my my guess, eighty to ninety percent of karate and taekwondo is youth participation. And yeah. then you get you know ten or twenty percent adults who kind of graduated out of youth but kept going, and you know they're just they're you know you might look at them and go, oh, why do you still do that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. That's how you think of that. Yeah. With jujitsu, it's the opposite. Right. The world is falling in love with jujitsu, primarily adults, children as well, because kids will follow their parents anywhere. But the number of adults are disproportionately adults in these schools, especially our schools, which has been remarkable to see. I mean, we're talking about, like you said, Joe Rogan, Jocko Willink, right? These are figureheads in the world of jujitsu because they're also public figures. But then Mark Zuckerberg just fell in love, right? And is admittedly a jujitsu junkie now. And all he's angry about is why didn't someone tell me sooner? I mean, we got actors and actresses. The list never ends, right? Of people that are intellects, uh, people that are, you know, professionals in every field and endeavor are doing jujitsu. And then if you're an outsider watching this, you're kind of curious, like, well, hold on. Something that I thought was notoriously like child associated, kids do that thing. Why is all this pop culture, all these public figures, all these top thought leaders, why are they falling in love with this freaking thing called Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? And now you know why. After today, you're like, holy cow. It's so easy to fall in love with because I showed you five problems today and I gave you five solutions. And you're better today than you were yesterday because of those answers. So then your brain starts going. And what you're thinking now is, shoot, I did all that in a single lesson. Imagine if I did a second lesson, what would come in terms of new problems, new solutions, and and an elevated sense of confidence, double what you feel today. I want to practice what you taught me first and get that down pat because I think that's a great base. Every class we do starts with a review of all previously learned techniques. Let me ask you this. So if, if I'm not going to a Gracie school... What should I look out for? You say that there's a yeah, lot of that's the challenge. Less, so, less than great. So this is this is for you, and this is for all the the, the, the viewers and listeners. Is that you kind of need to know how to look for a school that is suitable for what you want. Right. First thing to keep in mind: jujitsu is a recreational sport. It's also a self defense system that has been proven over a hundred years. Right. Most BJJ schools today teach exclusively the recreational sport aspect of jujitsu. So remember all the circumstances and situations I painted for you today in our class where I spoke about what if he was here strangling you or trying to punch you or standing up, the fight starts and someone comes up and push comes to shove. All the discussions that were street relevant in our discussion that you were like, yeah, that makes total sense. Practical application. Those are non-existent in the majority of schools that teach Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Okay. So they might even say self-defense on the window, but when you show up, the first technique they're showing is how to grab the skirt of the uniform, tie it around someone's leg, and then choke them with the lapel in a technique that only works on that thing. But if they don't have that, it doesn't work at all. Yeah. And then they're going to teach you a way to score points. And points are only relevant if you're fighting in a t- competition. Right. And they're going to explain a time limit, but time limit doesn't exist in a real fight. So the point is there's a lot of constraints that exist in the recreational practice yeah. that are that will artificially affect how you perceive the art in a way that could sometimes alter your reality about your preparation for a street fight. So that's number one. So maybe those are aimed at kids, right? If it's, if it's points based and it's, you know, it can be, but it's for adults as well. It's what I'm telling you. The schools are universally right. There's a, the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as a whole has a large contingent of, uh, of schools that all they do is sport jujitsu. Now, okay. some of them do sport and self-defense. We are pr- typically and primarily self-defense oriented, yeah. where it's like, look, we want to teach you what's going to learn work in a fight, and yeah. we want you to focus entirely on that. And as we grapple safely amongst each other, you're going to learn other skills. Yeah. And the chess match, you're going to learn all of that. But the context of it is, how is this going to fare in a fight? So that's number one. Yeah, that resonates with me much much better. I think so, right? And now yeah. some kids have sportive aspirations and competition is their number one goal. And then you go, all right, let me find a school for you. So for anyone listening, that's the first question is what do you want from the art? If you want to be safer in a street fight and you want to train that 
focus of jujitsu from day one, you want to find a school where they can confirm and they can demonstrate that self-defense is the emphasis. But if you show up on day one and you're like, what the heck are they doing? And that doesn't make sense why they're doing that. If it's confusing to you on day one, it's because they're teaching sport jujitsu and the context isn't clear. The second question to ask is, what's the policy for beginners? Many BJJ schools from day one, they'll bring you in and they say, oh, Brian, you look pretty fit. All right, cool. Go right there. Go with Will. It's you versus Will. And you guys are going to spar today. You're both beginners. And you're like, coach, I don't know what that means. You're like, well, just fight, just grapple. No punching, but just grapple. And go until someone taps out. And you're like, well, how do you make them tap out? And what does that even mean? (laughs) Bro, and the number of injuries that happen between two white belts sparring, it's the number one the number one source of injury is white belts sparring with each other versus two black belts or a blue belt and a purple belt where they speak the language already. So at Gracie University schools, all of the sparring happens after white belt so that you have that initial eight to 12 months to learn all the foundational techniques, the language, the safety protocols, how not to hurt your partner, how not to hurt yourself. So to kind of build into it gradually happens. And if you go to the school and you can just ask simple question, number one, do you guys teach self-defense? If they say yes, but what you see isn't recognizable in terms of a fighting context, (laughs) the answer is no. And the second question is, um, what's your policy for beginner sparring? And they go, oh yeah, you know, we let beginners spar after the first few weeks if they want. You have to be concerned now because if you're older in age, the injuries don't heal as fast. Right. So you're likely to get sidelined for five times the five amount five five times the length of time compared to a 22 year old kid that you're sparring with, yeah. who doesn't care and is just you know Gumby and he's twisting around and doing all crazy moves. It could be very injurious. So those are the two things: it's safety and structure yeah, and tips. self-defense. Good tips are good the tips. ones how you want to filter the the schools. Yeah, you're writing a book. It's coming out soon. Uh, when this airs, it'll probably well, a few months. Sure. Why did you write it? What is it about? Yeah, so I'm writing my first book. It's called The 32 Principles Harnessing the Power of Jiu-Jitsu to Succeed in Business, Relationships, and Life. That's the idea. And what it does is it really is a a kind of, it's kind of a, a, a somewhat of a biographical feel because it goes into several key milestones and occurrences in my life where the 32 principles of jujitsu were called on off the mat. These are life applications to overcome, to persevere, and to, to, to win uh, or to deal with major setbacks or mistakes in my life um, with these 32 principles. And for me, a big component of it is people understand the life application of these principles better if they can see the combat application first. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So what's one of those standout experiences? Right. So um, great question. So I had an incredibly frustrating occurrence on December 27th, 2016. I was at the park with my family and I had a sweatshirt on and I got really hot, right? So it was like the sun was out. It was a, the sun came out after a, a kind of a brisk morning. The sun peeked through and I started sweating and I took my hoodie off and I was about to tie it around my waist just to carry it like we all would. And I was incredibly frustrated by that reality, the fact that I took off my hoodie and now I'm about to tie it around my waist, but fashionably, I don't like the idea of tying it around my waist. I'm a new dad. I had a two-year-old son and I'm thinking I'm the cool dad, so I won't do this. So I went home frustrated, picked up my son after the hoodie. I didn't want to deal with that. So I put it on my shoulder. It fell on the wet grass, a whole story. I know where this is going. I get home and I get home and I lock myself in the office and shoestrings, paper clips, duct tape, scissors, and the hoodie. And after 30 minutes, I came out of the office with my hoodie and a functioning prototype <laughs> of a sweatshirt that when you tuck it inside itself, yeah. turns into a fully functional backpack. Henry, I have to give you props, man. You are an incredible salesman. <laughs> like I wasn't going to miss the chance to demonstrate this. So yeah, here's yeah. what's crazy, bro. The yeah. River Principle in the 32 Principles book explains this. Yeah. How the fact that when water is flowing down the river and the rock presents itself, the water doesn't bother with the rock. It flows where the rock is not. Like millions, billions of people around the world who've dealt with the same frustration of tying the hoodie around your waist. I didn't let that stop me. I just thought to myself, wait a minute. There has to be a better way to carry a sweatshirt that you're not wearing. And I went home and I invented the solution, patented this, and now we sell these all over the world. Yeah, go ahead and give your shout out to Shark Tank too because you're not Shark Tank. So then Shark Tank called. I put a video on Facebook. Shark Tank calls several months after we launch. We go on Shark Tank. Yeah, talk about that experience. It was crazy, right? So I always watch Shark Tank and all I ever thought to myself was, what do I have to create to be on that stage? So who's your favorite shark? Let's say because I, you know, off camera we're talking. Yeah, um, one of one of my clients is one of the sharks. We worked with him for a long time. We built his YouTube channel from zero to hero. 
But who's your favorite shark? And tell me Good about question. Yeah. So I love them all for different reasons. I love Mr. Wonderful's realness. He doesn't pull any punches, you know, yeah. and he, he says it like it is. Uh, I think Robert's a great energy. I think he's the one I'd just rather go to dinner with and hang out and talk to because yeah. he's so chill, Robert Herjavec. Uh And then Lori is just like, she kind of sits quiet, but when she ha- when she knows a deal, she'll tackle it 100%. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciated that. So I went in there, but I'm thinking that Mark Cuban might be a great option. Damon, uh, Damon, John. So you wanted Mark or Damon? Damon, because they're the apparel and the sports guy. So that's what I'm thinking. So I go in there with Quick Flip. I'm doing. I brought my brother. We did jujitsu on stage. It's yeah. on YouTube, you guys. Look, just search "best pitch ever yeah. Shark Tank" and it's on YouTube. Yeah. And I go in there with my brother. I do the whole thing. They're laughing, busting up, having a grand old time. And in the Shark Tank, all I'm thinking is, keep selling and keep smiling. Okay. So pause for a second. Yes. Um, in Getting called by Shark Tank. Did you apply? Did you go through the proper no, approval process? How, no, they how, saw my video that went viral. So okay. my first video went on Facebook was okay. me going to Venice Beach and just hawking these. And I, what, I showed up to random 2016? people. Yes. Okay. 2017, I did the video. They called me late 2017. I think I went on in 2018, 2018. So you put it on Facebook, not YouTube. I put it on Facebook and YouTube. Okay. It went viral on Facebook. Yeah. This video of me going up to random people in Venice Beach and asking them, hey, is there a better way to carry that sweatshirt around your waist? Yeah. And they'll be like, uh, no, this is it. And I say, check this out. And I would do that. And their reactions were priceless. Yeah. So I got 20 or 30 of those reactions, put it on Facebook. That got viral. Blew up, BuzzFeed yeah. picked it up. Shark Tank called me and said, hey, we saw your video. Would you want to come on? And I'm yeah. like, well... Thanks for asking. I've been waiting for this call. So I'm super stoked. I had two weeks to get ready. My sister came in, developed a whole backdrop from scratch. Hold on a second. So you premeditated that? You planned for that to happen? What? The beginning called by Shark Tank? No, I just wanted to be on Shark Tank my whole life. Oh, okay. So you were hoping. I was hoping, but I didn't. There's no way to know. But So the point is, when the call came, all I'm thinking is, Finally, I've qualified for the big stage, right? Yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. stoked because I've always been a fan of the show. And all I'm thinking is I can't sell jujitsu on there because no one can buy into a family business that's based on my family name. So all I'm thinking is what do I have to invent to one day be on Shark Tank? And when I invented this, I thought this might be my ticket. And okay, then they wait. called. So hold on again. I have more questions. You know what they call this? This is called the Henergy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll I have going. a lot of questions. So you didn't drop the Gracie name at this time. With Shark Tank? Yeah. No. Okay. So they had no idea, no idea. that you were Gracie's. No, it didn't matter at okay. all. This is priceless. This They have no idea. This is just, they saw the video. Yeah, no, no. I, I just want to be clear because this is actually super strategic, right? Because you could have easily dropped names. By the way, you probably don't know this, but, uh, you know, my grandfather brought this uh, sport to this country. Yes. And, you know, my dad is the OG and, you know. But none of that. None of that. Yeah. I didn't need any of that. I just, just did this. You wanted to survive on the merits of the product. 100% yeah. merits and the, of and the product. And the energy. Yeah, and the energy. Yeah, yeah. No, so what's wild. I but, go in there. Because I, I bring... watched that episode myself on TV. Like, like I watch it. Episode episode 23, season 10. Yeah, before we even met, I, I saw it and I, I knew about it. And that's why when you <laughs> showed me out back in the warehouse and you're putting it together, I started connecting the dots thinking, oh, this guy this guy is genius. Like he's got the business mind. He's got the hustle mentality. Like hustles for real. So anyways, to your point, I didn't drop the Gracie name and it was a huge honor for me for finally in my life to have been able to accomplish something notable. Yeah. Not leaning on the family hundred year legacy. It was cool for me to feel like, wow, I just did this. Yeah. Yeah. So I showed up, I go on Shark Tank. How was it received? On Shark Tank, they were busting up the whole time. You yeah. know, and they were just laughing. They loved it. Mr. Wonderful, who hates everyone, loved it. And I, I, listen, I, I just I just felt like if I just kept talking and kept selling, it would be an opportunity for the product to be more known. We ended up, I got offers from Kevin, uh, from Lori, and from Robert. Yeah. I ended up choosing Lori for other reasons. After the fact, we ended up not closing the deal, which as you know, yeah. 50%, give or take, don't ever end up closing even after they show they close on TV. Well, and a lot of people don't know that, you know, that's edited down to like seven minutes, but how long did your actual pitch take? 43 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it could take two hours, 43 minutes. I mean, it's like- And our, our edited down was about 12 minutes, 11 or 12 minutes, which I love because it's a little longer than the typical one. So yeah. it was just amazing for the brand. Anybody out there who has a product, yeah. the best thing, I'm actually going to go on Shark Tank again for my next invention, okay. which is completely undisclosed to the world. But as we wrap up here, I'm going to walk you out and we'll take one of these cameras and I'll show you in confidence. Okay. Top secret, but my next patented invention um, and my next Shark Tank ticket is in my office and I can't wait to show you after. But let's keep going right now until we get there. No, I love this Shark Tank talk. Uh, what else did you learn? Okay, so what was the result of that episode? 
Season 10. So here's what's yeah, wild. Yeah. You, you started asking about the book and the 32 principles applied to life. Yeah, I'll come back Shark to Tank was an example. That's how we got to this. We got to Shark Tank. Shark Tank was amazing. I We finished the show. Of course, orders coming in from all over the world, right? You're just, the whole country's lighting up. It was amazing. Did you eventually tell them that you were Gracie? Or? Yeah, on stage. So okay. right when I got on stage, I'm doing jujitsu in my demo. Yeah. And then once, this, once the initial pitch slows down and they say, okay, Henry, tell us about you. And then I said, hey guys, Gracie family created the UFC, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And then Mark Cuban was like, oh my gosh, this all makes sense now. And they put it all together. So everyone yeah, yeah, knew yeah. very clearly when I was on stage, what it was and who my family was. Cats out of the bag. But okay. then again, they're not investing in the, the Gracie business. They're investing solely in quick flip, right? Right. But I mean, let's get real. Like a lot of angel investors, a lot of people invest in people, not in products. That's what I, the sense was. It's yeah. certainly with Robert. Robert just said, Henner... I love the product, but he says, you're, I think he said, you're a force of nature was his quote. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was really nice to hear. And yeah. it was clear there that they could feel that I'm not a first time entrepreneur, uh, a successful business owner in another field. Yeah. Had a lot of experience in apparel just with, um, you know, with our gr- brand of clothing for Gracie. Yeah. So I understand fulfillment, supply oh, chain, yeah. all of that. Major street Distribution, Major street all of that. Yeah, so yeah. it worked and it, it all worked. We closed the deal on TV. Who'd you get the deal Lori. with? Lori. Okay. Yeah, so it was pretty tense there at the end because Kevin was freaking, he was hungry. Yeah. But I ended up choosing Lori. You the vibe was royalty, good. probably. Yeah, yeah. So it was royalty with some credit and this, and I think it was like a 500K buy-in for a 5 or 10%. And uh, we go in. Again, after the fact, we ended up not closing, right, after the deal, after the, the show aired um, for any number of reasons. We went on our own ways. It was great. Still the best experience for our business and the growth. Now, in terms of another principle applied here, I when I graduated from Shark Tank, I thought retail was the idea. Selling quick flips directly to consumers because it's a great product and every person needs a quick flip. And then we started getting calls, lots of calls, Google, Intel, Amazon. Uh, you name it, like large Equinox gyms, large corporations. Like the giveaways, the chat. Well, yeah, the... custom labeling. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. their thought was we have a hoodie, but it, it turns into a fanny pack when you take it off and does nothing good. And the brand gets sat on the oh, wet bench. Yeah. Let us customize. Henner, can you embellish these with Brilliant. our logo and branding? License. So we've done, well, no, not license, but custom wholesale, we'll call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So we produce with their logo embroider screen print on the body and the backpack so now they have a custom twice the function twice the branding garment that they can give away as corporate swag or sell to their customers yeah so So, smart bro that was the pivot principle of jujitsu applied to quick flip so then i'm like holy cow we need to set our marketing efforts on marketing to corporations more than direct to consumer because they're going to buy warner brother or warner brothers studios ordered 3,500 quick flips for all of its global executives yeah. as a gift. Or like, you know, Angel Stadium, Dodger Stadium. I know. You know 50, or, so people. here's what I thought. Yeah. When I first created Quick Flip, I thought in my mind, I thought well, this would be perfect for like the theme parks. How amazing to be at Disneyland and then to have a hoodie on and then you get in line and you're freezing, you put it on, you get in the restaurant where it's hot, you take it off, the sun comes out, you take it off, you put it back on, in and out of doors. You're always changing environments. Yeah. So it's perfect for those, out- anytime you're outdoor for an extended period of time. Yeah. So I'm like... What a beautiful thing it'll be one day to be in the parks. And then Disneyland called. Yeah. You guys. So I'm going to show you the inside right here. (laughs) So that's a Disneyland product for Avengers Campus, right? Look at this. You flip upside down your Avengers hoodie. You tuck it in. One shake at the bottom. And out comes your Avengers backpack powered by Quick Flip patented used under license. Yeah. So then we started doing these for the parks, Universal Studios, all branded, right? Halloween Horror Nights. So anyways, the future of outerwear is Quick Flip. This is where we're headed. If it doesn't convert into a backpack, the moment you take it off, it's a liability. You've been there. When you take off your sweatshirt with your family and all you're thinking is, man, I should have left it in the car. Yeah. With me, I never leave it in the car because whether I use a backpack or as a hoodie, I'm always glad I have it with me. It's always an asset, never a liability. And the best part is... When it gets cold again, you just pop this out. I reach in. Count to three, Brian. Too slow. I'm already back to the hoodie, bro. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So we pivoted to wholesale. And now one customer will sell tens of thousands of hoodies. And that's the crazy part is it's just just jujitsu. Pause again. Um, I have a lot of more questions. I'm I'm even more impressed now that you're putting it all. Like I'm seeing it all together. And my question is, did you know that you had such a mind for business? When you were that three-year-old, six-year-old, 13-year-old, 19-year-old getting his black belt, like you were, an ath- you were an athlete, you know, but were you think, did you have it's that business not, mind? It's not. I don't have a mind for business. Yeah. 
I have jujitsu in my DNA. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm getting at. But look at this. Yeah. That is the business success is a result of that. Yeah. So the fact that when I'm in jujitsu and my brother has me in a chokehold <laughs> for my life, I got to figure out the solution to that. I have to devise a technique using my 32 principles of jujitsu yeah. to come up on the moment in a position that I've never been before. I have to create in a matter of seconds, actually six seconds is the limit before I'm potentially unconscious. Yeah. I have to create a solution. And the fact that all my life, problem, solution, problem, solution, every technique, Brian, scratch that. Every problem, Brian, is a technique waiting to be discovered. That's my jujitsu DNA. So when I'm at the park with my son and I tie the sweatshirt around my waist and it falls off my shoulder and it gets wet on the wet grass and I have a sense of frustration, I have two options at that point. Sit in the frustration and do nothing about it like 99% of the world or do jujitsu and ask yourself, wait a minute, this is a problem. What is the most energy efficient way to solve this, whether or not someone has solved it before or not? So to say, do I always have that business mind? No, I always had jujitsu. Yeah. And now that I'm older and now that I have more resources and more access and more uh, the more of a distribution and, and, and an opportunity to make these ideas heard, people are translating it as a business mind, but really it's just my jujitsu DNA spilling into the business world. Yeah, it all makes sense. Now I can imagine your book being very, useful and practical to people who don't have jujitsu skills to think in terms of the principles to apply to whether that's, you know, raising your family or, you know, dealing with a difficult coworker, or if you're a boss, being a boss. Well, here's the challenge. Problem solution. You're absolutely right. And the challenge is up until now, the release of the book, essentially, in order to benefit from the the, 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 the built-in reprogramming that jujitsu creates and causes in each of its practitioners. Automatically, you start to solve problems and you look at world through a different lens when you do jujitsu. Up until now, in order to benefit from that, you had to be a practitioner of the art, right? You had to do the art. Yeah. And the sad part is with only one-tenth of one percent engaging in the physical practice, that's sad because now you have such a small population yeah. benefiting from the life benefits of jujitsu are only touching that small population. So my goal with the book was to make those life benefits and the principles, these universal principles of jujitsu accessible and and, and deployable by anyone, even if they've never stepped foot on the mat. However, the one asterisk there is that that the power of those principles is multiplied exponentially if the person at least has a chance to visually witness that principle in combat before trying to deploy it or understand it in a life and business application. Because of that, when I do these keynotes all over the world, where I'll do presentations for Fortune 500 companies, um, large law firms, um, young presidents organization of you know Asia and Shanghai. So I've traveled all over the world doing business keynotes to largely entrepreneurial audiences through the jujitsu lens. And what I do in those keynotes is I physically demonstrate the principle first. Yeah. So it's like, wow, what are we learning here? Jujitsu, that's so exciting and fun, but also clear as day what the principle is, like you saw today in your own lesson. Yeah. And then what I'll do is I'll step up on stage and I'll then articulate the life and business application of the same principle. But the connection is only made clear if they can see it first. Yeah. And man, is it so profound when they do. Yeah. So for the book, in writing this book, the biggest challenge I had was I don't want to write a book about the principles if it's only going to land halfway because it's only ink on paper. So we use the tag-along principle, principle 21, and we realized that if we can use the QR codes that are now ubiquitous throughout society post-COVID, yeah. put a QR code at the first page of every chapter, you scan the QR code, it automatically takes you into a visual video where my brother and I demonstrate unmistakably clear the principle in combat of that featured uh, chapter. 32 principles, 32 videos, 32 uh, chapters. You watch that, you get all fired up in a five minute video and then you close the video, you open the book and you're ready to read that chapter. Now with a visual representation clear, you can go in and learn about the life and business and relationship advantages of these principles. So that was the goal and we're very excited about it because it's the first book, as far as I know, from a self-help perspective where there's this audio, visual, multimedia component where 
You're just being taken from one world to the next and you're just riding with us. And here's my goal, my secret dream, if I may, that not everybody knows, is that by the time someone finishes this, they're going to be so hyped on the life application and having seen all these combat demonstrations of these same principles and they're going to go, gosh, this is, I'm so into this now. I got to go try this somewhere. I got to get on the map. I got to try it. Yeah. And that's my last line in the book is please. Just give it a try. Do me that one favor. You don't have to fall in love for the rest of your life. Please just go on one date with jujitsu at a, at a, at a certified training center where you're going to be safe. You're going to have fun and just watch that if you do that and you then become a physical practitioner, that all the value from the visual, the video, the reading, the context, all of that is multiplied even further tenfold once you actually do it. Yeah. I'll co-sign that. I'm glad we did the training first. Do you know this saying? It's, I think, like an old proverb. It goes like this. I hear, I forget. I see, I remember. I do, and I understand. And that's what happened today is like, I got the picture. And so I can see how the principles of your book can be, you know, metaphorical or, you know, you could just take the instruction and do it. But like, when you actually get down on the mat and you understand the application, it's like, it's all very clear. And here's the deal. Yeah. I- my goal is just to win their hearts yeah. with the book and the visual demonstrations. Yeah. And when they read that and they watch the videos and they're they're intrigued and they're fascinated and they're appreciative of the impact that these principles have in their own lives, once that's a reality, then I'm like, yo, I want them to feel like, wow, he gave me so much in the book that I want to trust him once and try jujitsu yeah. to see where else this takes me. So Jocko wrote the the forward. Why Jocko? Yeah, Jocko Willink, um, the prominent public figure, Navy SEAL, you know, author and just overall stud. Um, extreme is a, discipline. Extreme discipline, extreme ownership, just an incredible, um, you know, human being. And also just one of the most prominent advocates for jujitsu. Like if you, between him and Joe Rogan, they're the guys who, you know, from the, just the public figure world that are just pulling people in and constantly advocating for the benefits and the life benefits of jujitsu. Yeah. Both of them, they'll talk about the art as a, as a form of physical self-defense and the superiority of the art form. But more profoundly, they'll always be discussing the idea of how jujitsu affects their everyday lives yeah. and their own performance and their own way of thinking off the mat. And, uh, and, and I think that that's why I was like, man, I, I think Jocko would be great. Um, you know, I've known him. I've met him just over the years, just being around jujitsu. Um, and I was just honored that he that he did that, and he has a lot of experience training with members of my family. So it was just the perfect fit, and I'm super stoked. And it's a great forward, but you know, it, it's he, he loved the book, and you know, people will have a chance to check it out. So did I leave anything out? You definitely didn't leave anything out. You left it all here, including <laughs> the the backpack. I love that. Cool. So what I would, if you're down with it, because it's freaking so dope. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up here, I'm gonna take you for a walk. Okay. And we're going to go show you what is previously completely undisclosed, top secret invention number two. When you travel, when you're flying, cross country, economy, even business class, if it's not a flat bed, it's miserable. Mm -hmm. Because when you go to sleep, because you should sleep on that flight, because what else do you want to do? Pass out on the flight so you wake up energized on the arrival and you can get right to work. Of course. But every 12 seconds, yeah. bobblehead strikes. Yeah. We all suffer from it. We all hate it. Yeah. We all have our impromptu makeshift solutions that never actually accomplish the goal. I have a neck pillow, but... The neck pillow is a joke. It's a, it's a lie because it puts around. It actually pushes your head more forward, breaking the plane. And what happens is you're still bob and you have what's called the vestibular response, which tells you that you're falling. So you wake up in a jolt and you never actually get deep sleep. Yeah. In an airplane seat because of bobblehead. I'm intrigued. I yeah. invented the cure for bobblehead. <laughs> and I'm going to go demonstrate it for you guys right now. And I'll permit a camera to follow us and to record this. Okay. But you're not going to believe it. Okay. But let's move in that direction. <laughs> and let me just say this right now. Audience, anybody who's watching, join us over here. And we had to think of a name for this bobblehead preventer. Here we go. That was... As disruptive as it was effective. Okay. Can't wait. It's called the sleeper hold. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so good. King of travel pillows. <laughs> so friends, you learned one sleeper hold on the mat today. Yeah. But there are two ways to put people to sleep. The sleeper hold and the sleeper hold. And we're going to go see it right now. <laughs> it's it. going to blow your mind. <laughs> 